From the Florida Bar Studios in Tallahassee, this is Florida Bar News Briefs. I'm your host, Mark Killian. The House and Senate introduced competing budget proposals for fiscal year 24-25 last week. And despite their calls for major cuts, they include many court spending priorities. Jim Ash has more. Uh, Mark, House Speaker Paul Renner and Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo are proposing $115.9 billion and $115.6 billion proposals that would cut $600 million and $1 billion respectively from current spending. Both presiding officers said the cuts reflect dwindling federal stimulus dollars. It's important to note that this is just the beginning of the process. It won't be final until Governor Ron DeSantis announces his line-item budget vetoes months from now. Despite the cuts, both chambers would give trial courts and appellate judges a 3% pay raise. The House added a twist. Beginning in FY 27-28, the state would require that a DCA judge's salary be 90% of a justice's salary a circuit court judge's salary be 80% of a justice's salary, and a county court judge's salary be 75%. And despite the cuts, both proposals would fully fund, or more than fully fund, the Supreme Court's recommendation for new judges. The House would spend $2.6 million to fully fund the court's recommendation to add a new circuit court judgeship in the 20th Circuit, two county judgeships in Hillsborough, and three county judgeships in Orange. The Senate would spend $3.3 million to do the same, but also add an additional circuit judgeship in the First Circuit and an additional county court judgeship in Santa Rosa. Both budget proposals would continue investing in trial courts. The House earmarks $6.8 million for court reporting and due process resources, and another $10 million for case management technology. It would fully fund a $1.8 million request for new child support hearing officers. The Senate is proposing $8.6 million for court reporting resources, due process resources, and case processing support. It would not fund case management technology or child support hearing officers. Neither the House nor the Senate would fund the court system's $8 million request to begin building a headquarters for the new 6th District Court of Appeal. DeSantis has twice vetoed headquarters appropriations. A sweeping proposal to streamline the state's mental health and substance abuse laws comes with a big price tag and is supported by House and Senate leadership. Our Alexandra Glorioso has the details. That's right, Mark. The House version of the proposal, HB 7021, has already been assigned $50 million for the State Department of Children and Families to implement the legislation. While a price tag has not yet been assigned to the similar Senate version, SB 1784, it did pass out of its first committee stop last week. Both bills would make it easier to commit Floridians under the Baker and Marchman Acts, which govern the state's mental health and substance abuse laws, respectively. Lawmakers anticipate that because it will be easier to assign treatment to individuals, there will be an increased demand for those services. Some highlights from both pieces of legislation include removing the 30-bed cap on crisis stabilization beds, giving the courts more flexibility in the type of treatment services they order, and then requiring those treatment plans to be placed in the patient's clinical record, as well as allowing witnesses to testify in court hearings remotely. 
The bills also require patients being discharged from treatment to be given a personalized treatment plan in an effort to help reduce the chances they will be readmitted. The House Children, Families, and Seniors Subcommittee created the bill under Chair Tracy Coster, a Republican attorney from Tampa, and it's being sponsored in that committee by retired Republican Judge Pat Maney, who is also vice chair of the committee. Senator Aaron Grawl, a Vero Beach Republican and attorney sponsoring the bill in the Senate, told the Children, Families, and Elder Affairs Committee on January 30th that she largely credited Maney and Coster for their work on the proposal, saying that she could, quote, take little credit for it other than to understand how frustrating the procedures for committing a person under the state's mental health and substance abuse laws can be for the court system families, and law enforcement. Grom mentioned the legislative proposal had the support of both the House Speaker and Senate President and that she believed the laws needed, quote, dedicated resources to fix. The Senate proposal will head to the Fiscal Policy Committee next, where it will be likely that it gets a price tag. Ten scholarships are available for young lawyers to attend a solo small firm section's February 23rd half-day virtual technology and wellness CLE event. Roanne Batar has the details. That's right, Mark, but you better hurry. The cutoff to apply for the scholarships is this Friday, February 9th. Tech Up, Transform Your Law Practice and Your Life will focus on the technology needs of solo and small firms with an emphasis on ways to incorporate AI and software into a legal practice. The presenters will cover topics that allow attorneys to work smarter, more productively, and more effectively to live healthier, happier lives. The conference takes place virtually on February 23rd from 8 a.m. to 2.35 p.m. Registration is $250 for solo and small firm section members and $290 for non-members. All registrants have 90-day on-demand access to the materials. To learn more, visit flsolosmallfirm.org slash teach-up. Community leader and military officer and former Florida Bar President James Reitman Jr. passed away January 26th in Jacksonville, surrounded by his family. Reitman, who served as Bar President in 1982, was 88 years old. Reitman also served in the U.S. Army from 1955 to 1957 as a first lieutenant. He then served in the Florida National Guard from 1957 to 1992 and retired a brigadier general. Reitman served as president of the Jacksonville Bar Association in 1973 and was one of the prime movers behind the Jacksonville-Duval County consolidation effort. The House Civil Justice Subcommittee late last week approved a slate of so-called tort reform measures. Tell us about it, Jim. Uh, Chair Will Robinson, a Bradenton real estate lawyer, said he packed the agenda with 15 bills because he wasn't sure if the committee will meet again this session. The committee was forced to extend a three-hour meeting. The agenda included HB 995 by Republican Ryan Chamberlain of Ocala. It would make it harder for injured plaintiffs to collect punitive damages from assisted living facilities, or ALFs. Another provision would exempt ALF investors from liability if they don't exercise direct control. Chamberlain said the industry is facing what he called a death by a thousand paper cuts, or a wave of frivolous lawsuits. The second threat, he said, are skyrocketing insurance premiums tied to the lawsuits. The measure passed 12 to 5. 
Senate sponsor Colleen Burton said earlier this week she wanted to make sure that the ALF industry can continue to provide affordable care and still preserve a patient's access to court. Critics, including the Florida Justice Association, said they're worried that investors would harm patients by forcing the facilities to cut corners. Chamberlain offered to continue working with stakeholders to improve the bill. It faces two more committee hearings. The subcommittee also voted 14 to 3 to approve HB 1367 by Representative Robbie Brackett of Vero Beach. Among other things, it would require a court to dismiss a claim against an asbestos manufacturer if a plaintiff failed to file a form that identifies such things as smoking history, dates of exposure, and types of exposure, such as brake pads or insulation. Critics warn that people who get crippling lung diseases from asbestos aren't diagnosed until decades after exposure. Florida Justice Association General Counsel Bill Cotterell said victims would have to apply to the Veterans Administration or the Social Security Administration to get the information, and it takes time they don't have. The bill is supported by business groups and opposed by veterans groups. The subcommittee also voted 14 to 3 to approve HB 347 by Representative Keith Trunow of Tiberi's. The measure would exempt pesticide distributors, dealers, and applicators from products liability actions, including failure to warn under certain circumstances. Critics warn that the measure is so broadly written it would exempt all manufacturers. Republican Senator Michael Beltran, a Riverview attorney, said he agreed with the critics, but Beltran voted for the measure after offering to work with the sponsor to narrow its scope. For more on these and other stories of interest to the profession, visit floridabar.org slash news. Florida Bar News Briefs is a production of the Journal News Department. For Roanne Batar, Alex Glorioso, Jim Ash, and Jonathan Siegel, our producer behind the glass, I'm Mark Killian. 